Self-love is just the beginning with Barry Selby. What is self-love? How do we know we are loving ourselves? What is holding us back from experiencing and practicing self-love? Is self-love a fairy tale? Exploring self-love in a multi-dimensional way. Barry Selby is a passionate champion for the divine feminine, helping strong, successful women create balance in love, life, and business. He awakens women to own and express their feminine majesty. He helps his clients heal their heart, sourcing their own love and support so they may fully embrace their magnificence and help them attract relationships that equal who they truly are. As a masterful relationship attraction expert, Barry is known as the Love Doctor. With over 30 years of training and experience, including a master's degree in spiritual psychology and 20 years as a spiritual counselor, he has helped thousands learn to love themselves and live in wholeness. Welcome to the Mastering Life's Relationships and Intimacy podcast with Lucia Gabriela, a sacred space free of fear, judgment, and shame, where we come together to learn and explore how to awaken unleash and unlock our inner master self. I am Lucia Gabriela, your host, founder at Nuna Holistic Retreat Center, the Sacred Love Temple, and the Sarasota Dark Temple, creator of Tantra Kink, a fusion of Tantra and Kink BDSM, relationship and intimacy coach, integrative somatic therapist, Tantra facilitator, speaker, and co-author. To learn more about any of my transformational coaching and somatic experiences, immersions, weekends, and couples retreat, visit www.luciagabriela.com. For those who don't know you, um, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about you quickly when it comes to your work, or who you work okay. with, and also this topic of self-love because it's shifting a little bit from like mm-hmm. where you work to where you're working now. Certainly. Well, I, I mean, apart from, I won't tell you my whole history. That'll take four hours and take too long anyway. But, but I've been in the relationship coaching arena since 2008 or so. So it's been 13 years. But what I've always found, and this is my work, I've been doing personal work, you know, personal growth work since the mid 80s, that the journey has always been about relationship with self. And it wasn't um, sexy to promote that as a business model. It's always like, let me help you find the love you want, the relationship you want because that's what everybody wants to see marketed to them. But reality for me is that the real work is the relationship with ourselves. And so what's happened in the last couple of years, although it's been in the work all the time, but now it's become more blatant for me, is my work is really helping people to find a healthy relationship with themselves, which includes loving themselves, but it's more than that. Yes, it's a lot more than that. And mm-hmm. I feel like many times we scare our self-love that we don't want to go into the rabbit hole of what that is. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the thing, you know, we were talking earlier about people want, want a more conscious, awake, and a conscious relationship. Well, the only way you can have that is if you were doing it to yourself already. So to look for someone to be conscious, awake, and caring when you're not doing it for yourself, that's a bit unfair. In fact, that's actually very codependent, but that's another conversation again, too. So really, I'm passionate about helping my clients 
and most of my clients are women basically because I've been I've been dedicated to the feminine for the last well since 2007 myself helping women really find their own self-guidance their inner alignment because when they're in their feminine they can really own a much bigger space than when they're trying to own their masculine because we carry both and I know we can that's another conversation for another time we we have an agenda of things we can talk about but reality is for everybody and this is for men too and it's harder for men I think to, to talk about self-love because we don't have the emotional exposure we don't won't share emotions like women do but the reality is self-love is not about emotions it's about the care we give ourselves how we respect ourselves how we treat ourselves in situations and many of us independent of gender don't actually really know how to take care of ourselves to that level we might say well i love myself because i go to the gym like that's part of it but again there's so much more yeah, I love that you're mentioning this uh, self-love. It's not about emotions. It's about how we care about ourselves. And many people are always talk about self-love, self-love, self-love. And even I have my clients that come to me, like, how do I know that I'm practicing self-love? And it kind of like could be like a very cloudy, like magical, mystical, fairy tale, <laughs> unicorns and puffing unicorns and things like that. <laughs> Like it's not a concrete answer to it. Right. right? So I have my own ideas of like, how does that look self-love to me? And, and it's not just of the things I do for myself, but it's like what I give myself permission to. That's like, for for me, like one of the, my cores of self-love, like what I give myself permission to explore in my life, to experience Mm -hmm. in my life, to create in my life, because in that way, I'm not living in, in a conflict. But that is my okay. concept of it. I would like to hear your more um, logical, direct, <laughs> masculine. Because I'm the guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I guess saw that one coming. The more grounded, <laughs> the grounded way that we can know that the aspect of self-love. Because for every single love coach, every single relationship coach, it's going to be different. It's going to look different. And I feel mm-hmm. like variety is going to be important for all of us because uh, for our listeners and our, um, it's going to be very insightful for them to to be like, oh, I resonate with this. Uh, this is I'm not there yet. And I resonate with that. Um, so to have like a platter of like different options, um, mm-hmm. that way we don't fall into these like self-sabotage and dynamic that, oh, something's wrong with me because I don't know how to love myself. That makes right. sense? Absolutely. See, for me, my work is coming from a psychological background and a spiritual background, um, which merge together for me. It's really about how we hold ourselves when stuff happens to, ha- excuse me, happens around us and say it happens to us. Because life is an interesting ride for everyone. You know, there's a whole range of experience people have, positive, negative, and everything in between. And for me, the, the real self-love is how do we take care of ourselves? How do we deal with those things that happen? You know, for example, very, very few of us had perfect childhoods, if any. Stuff happens. Life happens. You know, and we're raised by parents, usually, who didn't get training on how to be good parents. So the way they treated us wasn't educated or aware most of the time. It was the way they reacted to it because of the way they grew up. So part of, for me, the self-love journey is to break that pattern that keeps coming through the generations. Like, we are... I've talked about this in other work with abuse and things like that, which is, again, a deeper topic. But the idea is that when we take on patterns from our parents, it's our choice if we want to visit that on our own children 
or if we want to say, oh, no, you know what, I'm going to stop now. I want to take care of myself. And by, de- by the side effect of doing that is I no longer carry that pattern into the future. I take care of myself. I don't, and it's another way, is one of the ways you know you're loving yourself is when you notice that you're not judging yourself as much as you used to be. Mm-hmm. When you're not carrying shame or guilt or resentment or blame as your primary reactive modes, because many people do live there. And also when you make mistakes, because welcome to life, you're not cursing yourself for making the mistake. You go, hmm, that was kind of annoying. How can I fix that? Or what can I do differently? Those sort of things, as subtle as they are, are clues that you care about yourself. This is what self-care for me is about. It's not about okay, going to the gym or eating right, although those help. It's about how do you deal with the emotional and mental stuff, <laughs> crap that happens to us or happens around us that we respond to. Because the thing about it is when we learn how to respond to life versus react to it, we're moving much further ahead in this game. Yes. What, uh, what I think I'm hearing is like, how do we care about ourselves, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually? Like what level yeah. of consciousness uh, we bring into those realms of our life? And you make a great point because this is exactly what a lot of people sometimes conf- are confused about because they think self-love is just about caring about ourselves in the physical realm, right? Yes. Like what do you eat, where you, how much do you work out, where do you work out? Like what, what kind of clothes you wear, but at the same time, they're being mean to each to themselves. Like they are, they, they say to the masochist within themselves, like they inflict pain yes. within themselves <laughs> and they love to receive pain and, and they don't see that. So right. um, I love that uh, level of awareness of self-love at a multidimensional level. It is. And, and the reality is, is that we have a choice every moment. And because for many of my for many of my clients happened to me before I started doing this work is I didn't know that it was a choice. I thought that judging myself was the only way to be because it's the way I was raised. Because I but basically what it was I internalized my parents' voices. And that's the thing we all do, I think, is we take on our parents' voices. And if our parents weren't necessarily always kind, compassionate, they never made mistakes, again, rare then we were taking on necessarily bad behavior, so to speak, or behaviors they didn't thrive, they didn't thrive from because our parents may have been, you know, when my dad got home from work, when he was not happy, he did. I mean, thankfully I never got beaten up or hurt, but he might be in a very cold, aloof, separate mood. So I learned from that, that example as an adult, when I get emotionally upset, I would just shut down. I would close off or become cold. My partner would, would hate it because she couldn't find me anymore. I was closed off because I didn't know that that wasn't healthy. That was my way of dealing or coping with it because the way I was raised. When I started doing this work, I started realizing that, in fact, to free up that energy and to become open again was the way out of it. Yeah. Wonderful. So self-love is just the beginning. Beginning to yes. what and where and <laughs> what else? Well, self-love is, is I mean, I, I have a self-love meditation that I teach my clients and I work with. I've got one on my site. But it really is, I talk about it as the beginning because self-love is... It's almost like it's the nudge. It's the reminder to do things in our life that, that are reflective of self-love. So yes, like I said, eating healthy, working out, things like that, are great reminders like, oh yes, I do care about myself. But if you don't, for example, keep a journal or a, or a container for gratitude every day, that's a simple thing you can do, which is a, a reminder to care about yourself because love and care in this context, it's for me the two the same thing. So self-care means that when you notice something's off, find out what it is. 
so you can get back to alignment because reality is when you start doing all the self-love practices and things beyond that life becomes a whole lot more joyful a whole lot more comfortable and also a whole lot more fun to play with of course that also goes into your relationships and sex and everything else but if it starts with that relationship with yourself first that's why i'm so much passionate about people having a healthy and loving relationship with themselves on all the levels yeah wonderful wonderful so when it comes to you know that self-love and the inner work what do you think is holding us back from like loving ourselves and caring ourselves? Uh, one of those um is again like i mentioned the voices that we take inside from our parents for many of us, we've had our parents telling us we're not worthy, we're not deserving, and we're not great. Or some, some combination of those things. So we will tend to perpetuate behaviors that remind us of that. So for a lot of this, a lot of the work I do, and I, I want to qualify that in a moment, I'll come back to that point, is that we want to really learn how to respect and raise our own, I only call it vibration, but raise our own understanding that we're deserving of more than we've been giving ourselves credit for. One of the things that the thing about self-love, which I know is one of the arguments is, but if I start becoming loving of myself, I'm going to become very egotistical and I'm going to become very like, you know, I'm better than you type stuff. Like, no, it's not what I mean. You know what I mean? Because the ego is what lives in the head, neck up, which most, most men have, some women have. <laughs> it's not everyone, but some, you know, majority. So it means that when we come to self-loving, I'm talking about bringing ourselves into our body to embody the feelings of how we care about ourselves so that we're not just dealing with the mental process, which is only a small portion of who we are. But we're able to see through the lens of compassion. We're able to see through the lens of caring so that when life happens, when we go through life, we, cho we choose to respond differently. One of the things I'm, I live in LA, as, as we talked about earlier, and before the pandemic, um, driving in traffic was always a, um, a comp, it was a, what do you call it? It was a contact sport. <laughs> it was like combat driving on the freeways. And for a lot of people driving the freeway, it becomes very antagonistic and upsetting and distressing. When you do the work to start having a better relationship with yourself, when things like that happen, some cut you up on the freeway, you become more aware that, oh, they've got some issue going on, it's not mine, I'm okay. Not that you're gonna be loving everybody in the world, it's not about that. It's about you care about yourself so you don't keep layering on upset judgment, complaints, and dark feelings. You go, oh, okay, that happened, I can move on. And so it's one of the things that I'm, I'm really clear about is that we have opportunities all the way through life, whether it's on Zoom meetings or it's in the world, where things can challenge us. The question is, how do you respond to the challenge? Yes, that's a great question to ask ourselves. <laughs> I, have a, I have a few of those. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's uh... Oh, but... But let me, let me, sorry, you said a question. I realized I didn't ask you a question exactly. So let me go back to that because you mentioned about how do you, how do you work with this? There's two things I think are really key to this. One of those is um, to own your worth. Now, I said I come from a spiritual and psychological background. And what I realized is that we'll obviously have forgotten that our, who we are are already worthy when we were born. There was, it's like, I know in the Catholic faith, and I'm Jewish, but in the Catholic faith, it's like you're born to, it's an original sin, the whole thing about that, where basically you come in and basically you're screwed from when you're born worth has to be chased after something like that my belief system is because we are spiritual beings having a human experience that we're already worthy we just pretend that we're not and this is the key it's the pretense that we have so that's one piece the second piece is and this is the work that i've talked about quite a bit in my, in my coaching is we fall into this trap of thinking other people control our feelings other people control our value other people control our worthiness which is the codependent trap that we've been trained to live in 
you know, from Jerry Maguire, you complete me. That phrase, I love using it because it's such a great term for the epitome of what codependency is. Like, nobody else completes you. You already whole and complete yourself. And when you remember your worthiness, not, 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 not build into it, when you remember your worthiness, then life gets a lot easier. Yes. I feel like, yeah, I love when you mentioned that, like, you complete me. It's like such a self-sabotaging, uh, you know, I would say toxic belief system when it comes to being in a relationship, like, you complete me. Like, it, it just, it just gonna um, send us in the rabbit hole of destruction uh, because well, we're, this, not yeah. giving ourself, we're not giving ourselves uh, permission to see our value. You know, it's I, I, what I think I'm hearing from you is like recognizing our value is truly important. And, you know, even when being in relationship, when we don't recognize our own value, nobody else is going to recognize it. And, and if somebody exactly. recognize our value for ABC reason, um, they're mm -hmm. not going to honor it because they know that we don't recognize the value. So we will be feeling taken for granted because, you know, we're not recognizing the value. And mm -hmm. I feel like we don't recognize how powerful we are. We don't recognize how important and significant we are, how magical, how, you know, how magical we are, not just unicorns, but we are really magical beings. <laughs> it's just, just a sense of, um, you know, that, we are manifestors, believe it or not. Like we are manifestors. We do attract and manifest amazing things and experiences in our life. And we don't give ourselves credit for it. We don't, we don't see the value in there. Um, and then we take ourselves for granted. And of course, everybody outside of us is going to take us for granted, not see our value and going to treat us. And they're going to want to be with that, not want to be with that. They're going to play games. Um, and when we see our value at, you know, and we embody it, not just see it, but embody it, like make it, bring it into your body and mm -hmm. like feel it into your body, feel it as you, who you are. Um, when we are there, um, I feel like we, we're in a very empowering space to, to say, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not into this relationship. I'm not happy about this. It is not comfortable. It's just, and speak up. And I feel like Absolutely. one of the issues about not being, a, not recognizing our value is that we don't speak up and we tolerate shit. That is a very, very true statement. The thing about this, this, the, the one thing I talk about, the puppet master syndrome, is that when we have this thing where you complete me or you make me whole or you, you make my life so perfect, you're making them your puppet master. You're giving them your strings so they can control your every feelings. I have, I have a video series on my website called Cracking the Codependency Code. It's five videos that a friend of mine and I put together. We talk about these different things that we fall in the traps of because codependency is a way of life that most people still live where their feelings are controlled by other people. Now, they may not own that or say that, but when something happens, like saying you're driving the freeway, someone cuts you up. If you get upset, the person in the other car controlled your feelings because you didn't have internal governance or, or, or um, equanimity about what's happening. That reactive state of something, going from reactivity to responsibility, is when you learn that when something happens and you get reactive to it, that's a trigger because something inside of you is wired in to make sure that you're um, 
controlled by somebody else's emotion or somebody else's feelings, somebody else's actions. Yeah. So codependency is a part of our culture that I'm looking to stamp out eventually. Yeah, what, what come up to me in hearing you with the puppet master syndrome, which is like such a great um, content, you know, in the BDSM uh, kink world, we have the power dynamic. And, you know, my commitment is to create a space for individuals to practice it in a conscious way with a lot of caring. You know, we care for ourselves and we care for others. Absolutely. Um, so, I tell you that building a community like that, it's like, it's really satisfying in my life right now. It's really beautiful, magical. I can definitely say that I can see the unicorns flying and just sharing a lot of life with magic. You love unicorns, I know. Yeah, right? But what it comes like, what hearing and listening to you is, will come up to you, will come up to me around that is that when you are the master, you know, from a place of consciousness uh, nothing can be done to the stop without their consent and they take responsibility for their communication the stop had to be in integrity and accountability of their communication and their own boundaries and what they consent so nothing can be done to the stop without their consent and, and boundaries so for in you know in this wall of relationship when we are in this pop and master syndrome it seems like it is a you know it is a dynamic to not have responsibility for anything to not take responsibility for anything to not be accountable for anything and we blame the master absolutely because in the bdsm dynamic the master is responsible to hold create a container and lead the journey of it right uh, but the sub is responsible. It has a lot of responsibility uh, to it. And if you don't communicate well, that's on you. That's not on the master because the master is not going to read your mind. <laughs> the master or the dom is not going to, uh, you know, kind of like read it. Like if you don't communicate, right. how do we know? So you are fully right. responsible. So, so, so it's true. It's, exactly. I mean, even in that situation, as much as is deal with your neighbors it's the same thing it's the same energetic paradigm so absolutely learning how to cut the strings so you take responsibility of yourself whatever role you're playing whether it's that one or another one doesn't make a difference is where the work really is yeah and i feel like why do you think that people are afraid to take responsibility for their emotions and their feelings and even their well, own mindset i'd say it's a couple of things one of which again is our upbringing because we were raised in an environment where codependency was taught as a way of life and so we learn, and by the way, this is the part of the little part of the work with my clients, is that how we raise is how we learn to love. So mm -hmm. if we learn to love through a codependent filter, that's what we'll do as an adult too. So if we learn to love by people pleasing, or learn to love by, by, by um, addiction, some form of addiction, same thing is true. So part of why we are in codependent pants because we were raised that way. The second part is there is a fear for some people of responsibility because they're feeling like somehow they won't be able to handle it or it's too much work. But what they're not realizing is the price they're paying of the work that they're, they're costing themselves by being codependent is way higher than being responsible for themselves. Yes. So those, those are the two main th reasons why I think, I think codependency still happens. And also we live in a culture that teaches us codependency. As I mentioned in the movie, I mean, every love song that's been out is about, you know, you, know, you make me whole or you'll die without you. These sort of th these, these sentiments that are so codependent 
I mean, if you listen to love songs from the mindset of going, what are they really saying? It's like, oh God. <laughs> so one of the things I was, I was thinking while you, you know, you are talking about this is like, oh my gosh, you know, like all of, of us who are parents, right? It's like the level of responsibility that we have to love ourselves, uh, to care for ourselves, care for emotions, care for uh, of like healing ourselves and like what it is that we actually inherit into our children. Like what are we yes. teaching them without teaching them? Like what are they observing? Yes, and that's it. Such a, to me, like had, you know, being a mother is like so much responsibility, not just for my, you know, for my 12 years old, but also for the newborn. And like, it's funny because this morning I was telling my, my daughter, you know, I said, like, my second daughter is kind of like my joy, like the, the baby. She's like, she had brain yeah. to a level, a different level of joy in my life uh, that I felt like I was missing a little bit because it was like, there was a lot of drama going on with court systems and parenting court stuff, blah, blah, blah. So, and I was saying like, you know, and my daughter's like, oh, you call her, she's your joy and I'm what I am. And like I said to my daughter, like, you are my alchemist. <laughs> you are my master <laughs> because... <laughs> With you, I have learned so much about myself. I have learned like how to even be a, a better mother. And I feel like I am going to, because of you, I'm going to be a better mother for Aravella, the little one. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what are you saying? That you're going to be a better mother with her and like, with me, you are not? <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm just telling you the truth. Like, you're right. an, you my alchemist. You're my master. I'm learning so much with you as a mother, especially now that she's growing up and she's being a, she's becoming a teenager. Oh Absolutely. my gosh. I, I, because I'm so like into consciousness and awareness, I don't know if other parents have these, these feelings or, or it's happened this subconsciously. But I'm having like major triggers. She's going into puberty, major triggers because it's like major shift because it's like, like a year ago, she was shorter than me. She was my baby still. She was my little girl, right? Like 10, 11 years old, she's still yep. a little girl. Now she's 12, she's 13. We went shopping yesterday for her to buy clothes. And I'm like, where's my baby? <laughs> so I was like, all these triggers. And I was like, and now, now I'm on fire because I said like, now, however she behaves and she interact and whatever, however she's growing and evolving and giving her permission to be, uh, you know, on her as a woman, as a girl and her power, it's going to be a reflection of me and a reflection of of how I have raised her because now, like now I'm going to harvest <laughs> the raising <laughs> part of it. And I'm like, I tell you, Barry, I'm like, it's scared as shit like i'm scared mm -hmm. like i'm like whoa <laughs> you know the grading part now i'm gonna be like oh now i'm gonna be graded <laughs> so, well yeah but yeah. so so here's, so here's the thing the fact that you're changing because of your first daughter for your second daughter is a win because if you did the same thing for both without any awareness any consciousness they both will come out the other side with their own i mean basically what was happening we always learn our patterns from our children I mean, so around parents rather. So as children, we inherit that. So as a, as a mother, if you become aware of the things that you didn't do as good as you could with your first daughter, and you then 
go, you know, I need to do things differently. I'm going to choose differently with my second daughter. That's changing the patterns. And yes, with your older daughter, you can definitely talk to her and explain how you messed up, if you want to say it that way, or how you realize with her there's things you can tweak. Then she will, she'll be changing her mindset and her programming too, because you've given her new information. Your youngest daughter will have a different path to follow because you've treated differently. Yes. And it's like one of the things that I have also uh, mastered with my daughter and my partner is I love to work with archetypes. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I teach her the most is like the archetypes and to become aware and in tune when that role is playing. And, you know, and when evil mom comes into place, right? Like the mom, the dark mom, the one that she's like, you know, like she was like slay and it's like rough and all that. You know, I have like a system that I call it the red door system because I love red, but it's a red door (laughs) system because it means that if I have not given you a warning that like three warnings and I have not uh, communicated with you, I am responsible to communicate, to give the warning, to let you know like what actually is happening before, because I can feel, I can feel the energy of the, you know, the evil mom coming out like, (laughs) I can feel it. (laughs) So I have to take big breath in. Oh, no, you know, warning number one. <laughs> right, but, that, but that's the thing is that you, is you're aware enough ahead of time versus you just go straight into it. Yes. And I tell you that, like, I, I always talk about, like, a dark archetype or a shadow archetype, they consume a lot of energy because yeah. they are, we are suppressed. They, they're suppressed in some way. And they consume a lot of energy. And when they get unleashed, ooh, a whole energy goes from, like, 100 to 10. Because yeah. I have felt that, that when I have allowed myself and that evil mom comes into play, I tell you that I can I cannot function for a day. Like I had to go take a nap. I had to go to sleep. I had to cry. I had to go take a nap, take, go to sleep because my energy, it just collapsed. And, yeah. and that's the level of awareness that I have when it comes to like the different dynamic and different roles that I have within myself. And I... I mean, my desire, I wouldn't say hope or wish, but <laughs> my desire is that when in the next couple of years that when she started turning 14, 15, 16, and I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to be like, okay, now it's going to be my harvesting time. And I'm going to be like, like, you know, harvesting my, my work, like right. I walk my talk. <laughs> But you said that she's your your she's your alchemist, so she is definitely bringing you lessons that you can choose to respond to differently as time goes by. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but that's why, like this whole self love is just the beginning. It is just the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because learning to care about ourselves is just the beginning to recognize so many aspects of ourselves. I, you know, recognize the our different archetype within ourselves, recognize our shadow. I know you, Barry, also work with, you do shadow work and you work in that realm as well. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just the beginning to start caring for ourselves. And it's also about looking into the world because the world is a great mirror. Mm-hmm. So if you are clear you want to say well i'm going to take care of myself and love myself then the world's going to give you opportunities to see if that's true or not and so you recognize with family with friends with loved ones with your partner with the world with amazon with whatever 
that you'll find yourself being offered up, I would say test is the wrong word, but being offered opportunities to say, am I really taking care of myself? Because if you're not, you'll notice, ooh, that doesn't feel good. And as you said, when, when the dragon comes out, mm-hmm. the draining of that, the darkness that takes away from you, that's the thing about it is, is that the depletion you have from that indicates it's not where you want to live ultimately. It can, yeah. be very, very, it can be very powerful for a moment, but you remember that your true energizing living space is in the loving, in the caring, in the ability to stand in the, the open loving space, ideally. Yeah, and that's one of the things I like to share with, you know, this is an example that I talk to everyone, even my clients, and because when we come from this place of destruction, destruction takes a lot of energy. Yes. A lot of energy, and people don't realize that. And that's what people like when, when they are living in a destructive life, they, they become addicted to something to fulfill that energy yes. to keep them going. And so yeah. when I work with clients that they work with addiction, food addiction, alcohol, or whatever addiction that they have, we work into the dynamic of like, okay, what aspect of yourself you are distracting within yourself because that's taking a lot of energy from you. And that's taking Absolutely. energy from, from creating, from even having amazing intimate life, sex, or anything like that. So like what is actually happening? So that's something that I like to bring to the topic. I appreciate you so much, Barry. I really love this conversation. Thank you so much. So for those who uh, decided to follow you, where can they follow you? And if you can share with us, um, just, just last insight. <laughs> um, let's think, let's think. So first of all, my website is my name, see if I'm at barrysoby.com. Um, I did mention there's a video series on there called Cracking the Code Dependency Code. That's a fun little five-part video series you can watch. They're, they're embedded in my site, so you can just look at them anytime you want. If you want to have a conversation, there's a link to have a chat with me if you want to find out more about my work. Um, my book and everything else is on there as well. Um, I have a YouTube channel um, where I store all my videos. I've, I've done Facebook Lives through over three years. I've got a 1,000 Facebook Lives in one playlist and a bunch of other ones too. So if you go to youtube.com slash Barry Selby, you can watch my videos there. And uh, Facebook, uh, my business page is barryselby.author. Instagram is the real Barry Selby and I'm everywhere else is Barry Selby. So easy to find me. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. My pleasure. And your last insight? Oh, yes. My last insight. We talked about anger for a moment. I just want to drop, just chop in on that one. Anger isn't always destructive. Depending on how you use it, it can actually be constructive. So just be aware that anger, you shouldn't be scared of it. Just watch how you use it. Exactly. Awesome. Powerful. We can have another video on that one. <laughs> yes, we can. There's plenty of stuff to talk about. <laughs> so much that we can talk with Barry. So you guys are going to have to come back to another episode here at Mastering Life Relationship and Intimacy with Lucia Gabriela. Thank you for joining us and see you next time. Love you all. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. And remember, you are a powerful, incredible, and delicious creator and master of your life. Loving you and see you next time.